0: Good morning. A couple things to share with you as we get started this morning. If you're a newcomer, come back at lunch. Love to host you for our meal today, learn a little bit about our church. We do this once a month. If you can't make it this month, uh, we do it every month. It's a great meal, good way to get to know our church. Second thing, great week of Bible school. Thank you for a bit volunteered. It was awesome uh, to see 160 adults involved with Bible school, and I walked around and talked to people during the week and just saw just all the happy faces and people having a good time and then one, one last thing was uh, you saw a picture from yesterday with me hugging Brian Greenwell at the dedication to the house I gotta be really honest uh, I was there the day that they broke ground on the house and put on the roof and I was there on the day when they finished the house and uh, what I mean to say is I was in and out a little bit but I didn't like being on the picture because I didn't swing a hammer I don't swing hammers you don't want me to swing a hammer I just talk to people I have no discernible skills but really the picture should have been of all the people in our church who are involved in this project to make this dream a reality for Brian and it's a life-changing thing for him but it's also a life-changing thing for Shelby Park neighborhood I've gotten to know a lot of the leaders in that neighborhood and that we helped plan a house there and be a part of what God is doing in Shelby Park for the transition of the community is really amazing. And I got a chance to talk to some of the Habitat people, and they love working with our church. They love our volunteers, they love the generosity of the Spirit, the openness, the welcome, uh, and just look forward to working with us in the future. Okay, now today, we're going to talk about something that I think that everybody in the room can relate to or connect to. Has anybody here ever overreacted (laughs) and made the situation worse? When was the last time for you that you overreacted and made an already difficult situation far worse? Did it happen at your work? Did it happen within the context of your family? You know, one of the things I've found that's true about overreactions and losing control of our emotions and and losing our cool, most often it, it doesn't happen at work because at work we're on our best behavior, but when we're at home it sometimes happens in the context of our home because our defenses are down. Or what about in your neighborhood? Anybody ever overreact in a sporting event? Anybody here ever ever get an email from someone, read something in the email that maybe wasn't there, and then compose an email, and the moment you hit the send key, you went, ooh. (laughs) Everybody ever been caught in an email cycle of of angry words or, or social media, angry stuff, overreact? Uh, for me this is something I struggle with all the time I I oftentimes will speak before I think and I would get in so much trouble because I react instead of just pausing, breathing and responding to people as opposed to just reacting the the latest incident to me occurred uh, was with my family when we were traveling on our vacation now I want to tell you the biggest way for me to get in trouble and to overreact is to put me in a car with my family for several thousand miles driving across the country where everybody's giving me instructions. <laughs> so we drive down to Houston. We were in Arkansas, and we drive down from Arkansas to Houston, and it, it is just like hot. It is really hot, and I am really, really hungry. And we're driving around looking for places to eat, and you have probably had this happen to you you're driving the car and you say where would everybody like to eat (laughs) anything's fine well let's eat there no I don't want to eat there (laughs) okay then you drive around a little bit more hey let's eat over there you want to eat there no I don't want to eat there but anything's fine really this goes on for a while and we're driving around we're driving around we're driving around Anything's fine, but no place is really fine. And so I'm left to, you know, pick the place to eat that nobody wants to eat. And then we get there. By this time, you know, I'm really frustrated because we're driving in Houston traffic, which is just unbelievable. We've been driving around in circles for 30 minutes. And by this time, I'm no longer hungry. I am hangry, hangry, hangry. We finally agree on a place to eat. I get out of the car, and I don't don't understand this. Tell me why this is. Why is it that with my family, I'm the one driving, and I'm the first person out of the car. I'm in the grocery store, and people are still sitting in the car. What have they been doing in the car this whole time? We get out of the car, and I look back at the car, and they're in the phone. What are they doing on their phones and sitting in the car? And I have to say, I'm not going to tell you what I said, <laughs> but it was, an over, it was an overreaction. It was an overreaction. Much of our life, much of our life, it's true, most of the pain that we experience in life is far greater because of the way we reacted to it, perhaps as opposed to the actual pain itself. It's what I like to call the boomerang effect. You know, you throw a boomerang and it comes back at you. What happens is when someone hurts you and you say something in reaction, it always comes back to you. And a lot of us, if you're honest about your relationships, some of your key relationships, sometimes we can get stuck in a pattern of just continuing to boomerang our reactions one reaction after another, one reaction after another, one reaction after another. One of the absolute keys to life, key to life, to living an intentional, Christ directed, positive, meaningful life is gaining mastery over our emotions. You're going to get angry you're gonna get frustrated you're gonna have your feelings hurt nothing wrong with that but the key to life is gaining mastery over our emotions and knowing the difference between reacting and responding let me give you some biblical examples I I read through the Bible uh, last week different places just looking at you know self-control giving a gentle answer, how we respond, what we do with our anger, examples from people's lives, and the Bible is literally just replete with examples. But I lifted out a few words from Proverbs and from the book of James that I think might be helpful to us. Proverbs 13.3 says, Those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin." A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. The mouths of fools are their undoing, and their lips are a snare to their very lives. Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Anybody know what calamity is? I know what calamity is. I sometimes live in calamity. Proverbs twenty nine eleven says that fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. James one nineteen. And I love what James talks about. If you read the book of James, it's just this very practical book about Christian living and what it means to live in Christ in the world and how we react and respond to people. And at the very beginning of the book, this is what he said. He says, there's no way that you can avoid trouble. He said, therefore, if you can't avoid trouble, hardship, suffering, difficulty, all that kind of stuff, he said, make the most of it. He's not implying that God brings difficulty into your life. He's saying that difficulty is just a part of life. That pain is inevitable. It's a part of life. And this is what he says then in James. He says that so when that happens, when you find yourself in a difficult situation, and when you're under pressure, it does two things for you. It reveals who you really are. Pressure, problems reveal who you are on the inside and it shows your true colors, right? The second thing it does is it offers you your opportunity for refinement, to use it as an opportunity for growth. And then he says this, he says, so when that happens, when you find yourself in a situation and you react instead of respond when you find out who you really are he says it's in that moment that you ask God for wisdom you say God what can I learn from this God what can you teach me from this and how can we use this as an opportunity for my growth and for my development and so this is what he says right after all that beautiful language he says then, my dear brothers and sisters take note of this everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Let me ask you if you took that one little verse out of the Bible and lived that every day, do you think you'd have a better day? Mm hmm. So I, I, I prepared a list of, of questions, and um, this is so practical. I found this on a blog by a great woman author, and her questions. Um, are just really great questions about this whole thing about reacting because uh, pain is inevitable but ultimately this is the truth that suffering is optional suffering is how we create additional misery and pain is not something that we can avoid but suffering is something perhaps we can minimize by how we respond to things as opposed to reacting to them and these questions then these are just really terrific questions See if they connect with you. Okay? So, when you find yourself in a difficult circumstance, ask yourself the question Do I want to escalate this issue or do I want to dissipate it? Because a reactor, a reactor, escalates the conflict whereas a responder will dissipate the conflict. Second question. Do I want more trouble in my life or do I want more grace in my life? Think about it. Do I want more trouble or more grace? Because people who react get more trouble. But people who respond to a situation, who pause, think, and respond. What would bring healing? What would bring hope? They add grace to the situation. Next question. Do I want to be known as a harsh person or a gentle person? And The Bible says a whole lot about how we use our words in a gentle way or in a harsh way and how our tongues and our mouths can add pain and suffering and if we just speak a gentle word how much it can change the situation a reactor does one of two things. A reactor either spews emotion or reacts by not saying anything at all. Whereas someone who responds realizes and says a gentle answer. Next question. When it comes to reacting and responding, do I want this issue? Do I want this issue to continue to haunt me? Haunt me. I'm going to tell you, when I react to situations and I just continue to react and react and react and react and not try to understand something little, it just will continue to haunt me and haunt me and haunt me. Or do I want to find resolution? I'm convinced there are a lot of people in the world who don't want anything resolved that they're not happy unless they're unhappy. I'm not talking about anybody here. (laughs) A reactor, a reactor only sees things his way or her way, whereas someone who responds realizes there are two sides to everything. I can tell you how many times when someone has said something to me and I didn't really take time to really listen to what they were trying to say I reacted to them and created a problem that grew bigger and bigger and bigger over time because I wasn't listening and I made assumptions about what they were saying and what they were thinking. Really, instead of just taking the time to listen and pause and to try to understand and then to be able to respond in a way to realize there's two sides to everything. I can't tell you how many times I've had a husband walk into my office and say, man, my wife is driving me crazy. And I'm thinking, man, she would drive me crazy too. (laughs) And then 30 minutes later, the wife walks into the office to sit down with me and says, and I've already formed an opinion. Then she gets finished talking and I go, man, that guy she's married to is a jerk. (laughs) There are two sides to absolutely every issue. Do I want the issue to haunt me or do I want to find a resolution? And the final question is, What do I care more about? What do I care most about? Demanding my rights or finding or displaying right choices? Sometimes being right isn't the most important thing. Whereas the most important thing is displaying the right type of character, the right kind of choice, the right kind of behavior. See, a reactor will always demand their rights. I'm right. Whereas a responder is more concerned about making right choices before God. So here's truth number two. So truth number one, pain inevitable and sorrow is optional. Truth number two is that no one in life finishes their life well by accident. You know what I mean by that? It's about being intentional. Where do you want to be? How do you want to grow? What kind of person do you want to be? How do you want to improve your life? We get better by making intentional progress, not by accident. The reality is that some of you are very intentional about all kinds of things in your life. But when it comes to your spiritual development and growth, do you give it the same level of intensity that you give other things? If you want to move, you want to talk, what is spirituality? Spirituality is not what you think, it's not what you believe, it's who you are inside of you and how you show up every day because of what is inside of you. Your spirituality is where God works on the formation of who you are as a person the development of your character, and how you show up in the world, and how you respond to other people. And so when we're talking about spirituality, we're not talking about something you do at church. We're talking about where you live your everyday life. And how your faith shapes your life. And so when you're focusing on being intentional about your spiritual development and growth... It's making it the most important priority of your life, believing that if you address that part of you at the core of who you are as a person, what happens, it begins to shape and influence everything else. It doesn't happen by accident. Look at what it says in Galatians. Paul wrote these words. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, it is joy, it is peace, it is forbearance, it is kindness, it is goodness, it is faithfulness. This is what happens. When we begin to focus on what's inside of us, we become intentional. It's not just doing these things. These things are the result of the intentions. The result of the intentional life of development is these things beginning to grow in us. But look at the last one. Self-control. That is, we begin to focus on Who God wants us to be, we become intentional. God then gives us, it's not just me exercising self control, it's God working with me. God giving me the ability to hold my mouth closed when I want to speak. But let's say this it's in that space, okay, where this all happens. Viktor Frankl wrote these words he said that between the stimulus and the response there's a space and it's in that space that we have the opportunity to grow and to learn and to respond instead of react right but it's not that easy is it you know let's just be really transparent so I get up in the morning, and during the summer, okay, and I'm at home, and I've been working on a sermon, on this sermon, this sermon. I'm in my study, and I'm writing the notes, and I'm reading the Bible. I'm going to respond, and I'm working on me. Meanwhile, Mom, my son, who's a cross-country runner, is out running, and he's a profuse, hairy kid with sweat everywhere. he's out running I'm working on the sermon and I'm feeling all these elated high thoughts and he's in the shower by the time I get finished where do you think he took those shorts were that were sweaty and dripping with water on the way into the shower he tossed them off and where did they land? on my side of the bed do you know how quickly I went from here what were you thinking? Right? I mean, I'm just talking with God. Next thing you know, like, bam. It's, oh, there I go again. It's not easy. So, so, so truth, truth number three then is, is that I do believe, I do believe that God understands this about us. How do I know God understands? Because God made you. God hardwired you with emotions and with feelings. That's normal. You're not going to eliminate that. That's a part of growing up and living your life. But the great thing is that God helps us. Uses these moments to teach us. I just love this. This is so, this is so encouraging to me. Paul writes these words. He says, being confident of this, I am confident of this that God who began this really good thing in you is going to keep working on you until you get there. It's not perfection. It's not perfection that God is looking for. But it is progress. So let me share with you then. This is what I'm learning. I'm learning by paying attention to this that I snap at people less often than I would normally. I've learned that just because I know that my way may be the best way for me, that doesn't mean it's the best way for everybody. I have learned that sometimes it is best just to keep my opinion to myself. I'm one of those people for much of my life, when I'm in a room with a group of people and there's a meeting going, I feel the need to tell everybody what I think about everything. And then one time I remember sitting in a meeting thinking, you know what? Nobody really cares. <laughs> <laughs> and that sometimes being the last person to speak oftentimes gives you, puts you in an advantage to really learn and to listen. I've learned silently to laugh at other people for their frustrating behaviors, but to laugh even more at my own behaviors knowing that I'm a highly irritating human being. <laughs> I'm learning to give others the benefit of the doubt and to assume that I don't know everything that's going on with them. And to not take it personal. This is really not about me. And just assume there's more there and to give them the benefit of the doubt. Go out to eat dinner. We're in a really nice restaurant with some friends from the church and the woman was having a... I don't know what was going on with her but the entire meal was just ruined for me. I mean it was just not a good meal. And I remember sitting there thinking, I'm going to give her a lousy tip. But then I paused. Instead of reacting, I thought to myself, I don't know what's going on with her. It probably has nothing to do with me. What if she's a single mom, and just before she got to work, she had an ugly exchange with her ex-husband, who's three months behind on his child support, And she doesn't know if she's going to be able to pay her child's uh, child care. And she walked into this workplace. And just before me, there was a customer who was a jerk to her. And so now she's there with me. And I react to her and don't give her a good tip when she needs it to provide for her daughter. That's the difference between reacting and the difference between responding. I've learned to never ever make major decisions when I'm mad, sad, frustrated, or hungry. And I remind myself that a person's thoughts, feelings, actions, and reactions tell their story, not my story. And then finally, finally, The difference between reacting and responding usually is about ten seconds. One.